0: You are listening to the Savage Fincast Retro, episode 14, Freak Force, number 1 and 2. Chicago. A criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in its terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon.
1: This is the Savage Fincast Retro, the podcast that's ready to reopen America. I'm Raven Perez. I'm Jim Purcell. I'm Craig Olson. And the Savage Fincast Retro is a look back at past issues of Savage Dragon, spin offs, one shots, miniseries. If Dragon's in it, we're on it. Today, got a very fantastic show for
0: you. We're going to be looking at Freak Force issues one and two. So, before we even begin reading this, I mean, Freak Force is a big, is a really important series for Savage Dragon because it was the second ongoing Savage Dragon series, of which there has only ever been this one. Really.
2: Yeah, you're uh, right. What, what do you mean the second ongoing Savage Dragon? Series?
0: He means not a mini-series. Right. So well, it,
2: besides Dragon itself. Right.
0: Dragon and Freak Force were the two, quote-unquote, Savage Dragon ongoing series. So right. Know, the, the spin-off series. And the thing is... Dragon has almost exclusively had mini-series as its companion series. But for this brief moment in time, there were two books.
2: Series It's so important to Savage Dragon because a lot of things that he can't flesh out in Savage Dragon, he fleshes out in Freak Force. And you almost had to buy both books to really get a good grasp of what was going on. Um, But they're good books.
1: I'm excited because uh, for me this is going to be my first time rolling through these, and not going to lie, I mean I've never tried to play it off. I came to the series with a huge gap in my reading, and there's stuff that you and Jim reference from this that I
0: I had no idea. Well, I was like, oh, yeah. I've also never read it myself. Are you shitting me? Yeah. Wow. I I read That's issue awesome. number I read issue number one once, and I bought all the issues, but I've never read any of these either. So are you guys Well, I, 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 read I read the, the Joey
1: point Finkelberry point. issue, but that's it. S- Joey Finkelberry was specifically what I was thinking of. Like, when you guys talk about Joey Finkelberry, I don't know who the fuck it is. It's not ringing a bell. I know so him I, as a dragon We'll get to Joey.
2: Pepsi. Okay. Are you guys reading these for the first time before we do the podcast, or have you read through them already at this point? First
1: time before we read the
2: podcast? I read these today. First time before oh, the podcast. Awesome. Also read awesome. them today. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, this will be good. This will be good to get you guys opinions on things since I've gone through these before and and you know, to get the first impressions are gonna be great. I will say with Freak Force, what I really enjoy about Freak Force and what I, I enjoy Eric's choices on the teams, so putting Keith Giffen as the writer and then getting a guy like Vic Bridges, who's got a real John Byrne-type style, who wasn't really that proven at the time. He did Phase 4 Phases or whatever that indie book is with, that Eric worked on. Oh, that mm-hmm. book.
0: I do know that book. I've seen it in dollar bins.
2: Yeah, so the thing is, though, when you compare these like, this Freak Force spinoff title from Savage Dragon to like the Extreme or the Wild Storm spinoffs, freak force i feel like still stands up like the art still is almost timeless i mean it's a little bit dated in the styles when, when, and you, stuff, when you
0: say burn i don't i don't know i kind of see what you're saying about john the john burn influence but i don't know it, oh, it's it, big time it it's really because yeah. i i i i don't know i'm not a big john burn fan but i like um, this
1: craig didn't didn't he himself didn't vic actually say burn was an influence
2: yeah, I, before we get into this, I don't know if you guys want to just talk about uh, Inside Image issue Absolutely. 10. Yeah. Which, Inside Image was a free kind of uh, magazine that kind of just had all the solicitations for Image Comics. Uh, it was a little black and white book. Um, in issue number 10, they uh, do an interview for the team for Freak Force. And so for the listeners, the team of Freak Force... Keith Giffen's doing, um, doing the plotting. Script, or the plotting. I'm sorry. Yeah. So Eric's doing the scripts. Keith Giffen's doing plot storytelling. It sounds like he's doing a lot of the roughs, like rough pencils, and then giving Vic Bridges um, free reign to do, you know, the full pencils. With uh, I don't know. Carl Story is another someone else inking. Well, I'll personally. tell you.
0: Go ahead. So. Keith Giffen, historically, the way he plots, he scripts his comics, he plots his comics, is he basically draws the entire comic in, like, loose pencils, in, like, thumbnail form.
2: Right, right. And
0: then the penciler bases what they do off of that. And then I assume Eric Larson comes in at the end and puts all the words in people's mouths. This actually is specifically
1: outlined in a letter, in the letters column. Yeah. So they actually break it down,
0: but yeah, you're you are correct. But Long yes, story short, Keith, that is Keith. That is how Keith Giffen makes
2: comics. He always does that. And so Chris Eliopoulos is also doing the lettering, so it's got that savage dragon feel. Um, in Inside Image number ten, uh, actually Josh Eichhorn does the interview, and he interviews. Vic Bridges, uh, Giffen, Ann Larson, but on Vic Bridges, he says, Vic, how did you get involved in the Freak Force Project? And I found this interesting because I didn't know this. He said, actually, Jim Lee wanted me to do Stormwatch for him. I turned it <laughs> down, which would have been a stupid move if Eric hadn't called. Eric asked me, and I said, okay. Uh, it's ironic because Eric had worked with me on the fourth issue of my book, Phasers. Eric was the sim- has that simplicity of style that I like. I think we work well together. So, it's yeah, When what, 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 G- what
0: I think Stormwatch, I don't think this. No, me neither. I mean. Yeah.
2: How different would that have been, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then he talks about, he says, so this is before issue one came out, and it says, I understand you are about six issues ahead on Freak Force. How is this possible? <laughs> right. he said, I started in February, and the book doesn't come out until December. I'd consider it pure laziness not to be ahead. I also wanted to see just how far ahead I could get before the first issue came out. And then further on, I think they said it might go like six to eight issues ahead before the first issue comes out because he's turning them out so fast. Like Keith and Erica are like, oh, he's ready before we're ready to give him more stuff, which is amazing. (laughs) Um, It's funny, Keith Giffen kind of blows Eichhorn off during this uh, interview. One thing he does say is, how did... uh, Josh says, How did you get the job writing Freak Force? He says, I think I volunteered. Every time I called Eric to go over some plot points on the Super Patriot miniseries, he'd bring up this new superhero group uh, that Super Patriot was going to seg into. He picked my, picked my interest, and before I knew it, we were battling, we were batting around ideas for this new book of his.
0: Well, um, The interesting thing about Keith Giffen's involvement is don't forget, we're not that many far years removed from his Bwahaha Justice League era. what's that mean i don't even know so during the 80s after the crisis keith giffen and uh um hilariously i do know what you mean (laughs) and i what was his name hold on his partner he's the guy with the faces yeah demathis yeah but anyway together they basically they reinvented the justice league of the era as kind of more of a comedy book Where you had the the blue beetle and Booster Gold and Guy Gardner, Guy Gardner, and yeah, and all that, and it was a very beloved era of the book, even though it did not feature you know your heavy hitters like Superman and Wonder Woman and Batman. Am I correct in saying the cover was them all
1: together, and he's like, "What are you looking at?"
0: Yeah, yeah, that's where it started. Yes, the Blue Demon was saying that, right? No, that was Guy Gardner. All right. Um, but anyway, yeah, what, I, what I'm I do know what, what, what I'm now, saying though. is is that we're not that many years removed, and in a lot of ways, Free Force reminds me of that style of superhero team that's a little bit irreverent.
2: Yeah, uh, while yeah, also- it's definitely a lighthearted goofiness to it. Um, one last thing I'll talk about with this inside image. Uh, They ask Eric, you know, how do you like Vic's work? And Eric says, Vic is very influenced by John Byrne, and as a big John Byrne fan, it's a real thrill to look at Vic's stuff. Byrne draws some characters that I designed years ago when the Doom Patrol crossed over into Superman, and I get the same charge when I see Vic draw these characters as I design. Vic's storytelling is great. His backgrounds are terrific. His figure work is exciting and dynamic. I really couldn't ask for anything more from an artist. And, you know, I feel like...
1: He had stated at some point that this was his favorite spinoff or one
0: shot. What? Freak Force? He said Freak Force was his favorite when we talked to him during our interview. Well, that makes sense because it is the most complete. I mean, it is the longest, so you could do the most with it.
1: Right. I'm just saying it's kind of like it's funny, like even in that praise. I mean, that's really high praise. You can tell that, like, you know, he's really just digging Vic's work. And the whole, probably the whole thing, like, Giffen's plotting, Vic's work, like, it's probably just really, like, the whole team is just really coming together for him.
0: I will say this. I was put off for a long time by the art on this, which is part of the reason why I didn't read it until now.
1: I mean, I'm not going to pretend that I loved it either. Like, at first, I did not like it.
0: But but I've grown to love it. Yep. Uh, But the main thing that always kind of bothered me is that Vic Bridges draws his faces really wide. Yeah, square jaws, even and on the ladies. A lot of yeah. hair, very 80s hair on the <laughs> yeah. ladies. And for whatever reason, that was a turnoff about 15 years ago. Well, here's the funny thing.
1: I mean, I don't know anything about Vic, but if he's drawing 80s hair like this, some of this it is weird. It's very weirdly 80s. If he's doing 80s hair like this in the 90s, I mean, maybe Vic lived in a rural area. Because let yeah, me but tell it's you. Very-
2: it's very burn though. Burn is very was like very stuck in the eighties.
0: That though. is true. Burn does oh, okay. draw very like a lot of frizzy Farrah Fawcett hair.
2: I was just going to say, especially if you, if, in
0: this
1: era, if you lived in a rural area, it was like the eighties right up until. I the mean, year 2000. to be fair,
0: comics are usually <laughs> comics are in like a five year like bubble where you're generally referencing the culture of five years before. Like goddamn Elvis. <laughs> like. like we got an Elvis joke, like I'm just yeah. saying. But um, I want to go back real quick to the cover. Are you doing the Image uh, Insider yep. stuff? Yep. I want to go yep. real back to the cover, but not, you know, the cover's great. Don't get me wrong, although Hordis looks a little weird. Um, he has a hard time with Hordis. Yeah. But yeah. I, I want to talk about the Freak Force logo just real quick. It's great. Yeah. It's a great logo. So you know what's really cool about the Freak Force logo? Three-dimensional? Yes, but it's just, it is the Savage Dragon logo with another block shoved in it.
2: Like eh, I don't know about that. You don't really? see it? No. Besides what do you the three D Ness or that, that that's what
0: I'm saying. If you take the if yeah. you take take the Freak Force and you compare it to the Dragon part of the Savage Dragon logo, mm-hmm. they are very similar in their three D Ness.
2: Which I think, I think both I think are it, designed by Eliopolis too.
0: Well that makes sense. But I find that because the logos have a very similar design like that It ties them together in a strong way. Yeah.
1: I get you that sort of coming at you three-dimensional. It's
2: a great logo. I really like it.
1: Yeah, it holds up. I think it actually, if you put that exact same logo on a modern comic, it wouldn't look out of place at all.
2: How do you feel about
0: the name? I always thought Freak Force's Biggest Weakness is the name Freak Force. I think it did hurt it. I really do. I think, I don't, I mean, again, knowing what I know now,
1: like in terms of like Savage Dragon is a world where people with abilities and stuff are called freaks. Yes. All right, that name makes nothing but perfect sense. However, as a know nothing, like not knowing anything,
0: I think if you heard the name Freak Force, you'd be put off probably. Or or the fact that the characters aren't that freaky. I mean, yeah, they're not freaky. Bar- Barbaric is probably the most exaggerated of them. Horridists. Ah yeah, horridists. But they're like they're they're barely weirdos. Yeah, it's full of mostly normal looking people. I I, I wouldn't you, know what else to call it, but I'm just saying I always thought Freak Force was kind of a dull name. When in, in an era of you, wild Greg? of an era era of wild cats and Gen thirteen and, and you know what? young blood.
1: Jim, that is the point to make. I think when you got titles around you, like young blood and wild cats and freak like you know freak force just doesn't it's got alliteration which is awesome but i don't think that compared to like storm or you know blood strike or something like but that I, I
2: feel i feel like maybe then but in the long run i agree Craig, it stands totally. up more than the more extreme names of
1: absolutely you know, dude slice you, cut <laughs> if you named your fucking care if you named your book like uh you know, Wildcats These Days, everybody would think you were stupid. Hmm. It is a stupid name. I'm sorry, Wildcats that age like milk.
2: Yeah. I don't think it's that bad, but it's definitely like dated.
1: I think it's shitty. Cyberforce is a better name and
0: Cyber Force is almost freak force. I'm not a fan of teams with the word force in the name.
1: You don't like Force Works?
0: Exactly, exactly, <laughs> sir. Force, force Force Works ruined it. Wow. Also, there we'll was a, say, also there was a fantastic Force, and it was bad too.
2: Do you guys remember the the Freak Force ad that was almost like this cover, but it was drawn by Eric Larson? Yep, that, that yes. shows up in the
0: miniseries back matter, yeah. I think, and that's a yeah. that is a really cool cover. I find I feel like
2: they should have used that for number one. Yes, I, in fact,
0: my my preference for in, interior artists being on the cover trumps that for me personally. I know that I know that's how you feel. I knew you were going to say that,
1: but I am going to agree with Craig that for selling power, if this had if this book had Eric Larson covers, it probably would have made a sales difference.
2: Yeah, I, I just yeah. some some of the stuff the foreshortening is a little wonky on some of Vic Bridges' stuff.
0: Well, he's still know. I mean he's learning the yeah, ropes as like he goes. Super
2: patriot legs on this cover and stuff and I'm you know it's the whole life field hiding the feet thing. <laughs> Horris uh I think probably like and
1: you you mentioned it earlier but the most glaring character is Those spikes don't really like feel like they have volume or anything to them. They yeah. just look like just triangles. Just bam bam boom bam bam.
2: I forget if he gets better as the series goes on but I always felt like he had a tough time with Hordis. It didn't look on model with what I was used to in Savage Dragon especially with like the, the two kind of horns on her head never kind of come across the same in this book I will say that his uh, barbaric
0: is fucking
1: pitch perfect yeah absolutely I
0: will I will say there's something really weird about his barbaric though if you turned um, just specifically if you turn to like I can't even tell you what page it is but it's the page after barbaric swats the main bad guy and he's been knocked out and into his boxer shorts. Okay. And, and you look at Barbaric's face right next to Rapture's. Okay, yeah, it's a little goofy. And you can—he's—he's can, got, he's, he's got the big anime cartoon character look going on, while everyone else is kind of like more realistic. Right. So, he, and no, you know, it he just—he feels a lot more exaggerated than everybody
2: else. Barbaric has big eyes, though. Too much, yeah. But. I don't, I don't want to dog on it because like I said, I feel like I feel like Vic Bridge's art really holds up compared to 90% of the image stuff.
1: Absolutely came
2: dude out this time. Like I think it is a good choice. I, I'm glad I mean Eric could have picked some artists that would make me cringe to look at 18 issues of, of art from these days and he didn't he picked somebody that wasn't as flashy but was I felt like had more of the classic kind of look which is solid like Like that's
1: it is it's just solid it's solid work
2: like his anatomy is good you know wasn't going for some kind of exaggerated mcfarlane i feel like some of his minis like that there's one of the deadly duo series i think john cleary draws that's just too exaggerated
0: oh yeah i've been finding those and looking at them they're 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 unique
2: (laughs) it's like almost like mcfarlane through some kind of weird filter that's too much too cartoony but yeah I, I just think that you know for this series getting somebody that just has got a good good style good clean style good classic style is, well I mean is just
1: cute. to reiterate like what uh, Jim said like uh, I remember my initial reaction was I didn't like this art it yeah. just had a weird sort of like like everything you're saying as a positive at the time I remember no, I know
2: like, I, I agree I,
1: I wanted that like matsuda you know yeah. like joe mad like i wanted that but then here I, we are I in the year 2020 yeah here we are in the year 2020 and i totally agree with everything you're saying is it like dude vic can draw fucking perspective he can draw backgrounds he can like, draw
2: backgrounds like a mother effort. you can
1: he cr- just wouldn't draw crowds it, yeah I mean, even little details, like, I look at this as uh, she enters the apartment, and, like, there's, like, a fucking sandwich and a drink of, uh, you know, a glass of, with the drink next to it, and yeah. then a book with a pencil next to it. I mean, and then the photo, the framed thing on the wall has, like, an actual thing in the art. And I'm just saying this, like, you know, you, you, you don't get a lot of artists even today that really, like, do backgrounds. You know what I yeah. mean?
2: The thing I really enjoyed about Vic Bridges, um, on his take on Freak Force and the characters is that where in Savage Dragon it feels like the characters just wear their costumes everywhere Mm -hmm. in Freak Force they have other sets of clothes that they wear more often like street clothes like regular clothes oh this is going to
1: be interesting to see
2: yeah yeah it's uh, it's like oh look they don't just you know Rapture doesn't walk around the city in lingerie (laughs) the whole time
0: and, and, i mean she's a prostitute so it works but that's okay the one thing i want to praise though is the coloring mm-hmm. uh, i think overall this coloring in this issue looks amazing. looks amazing yeah dude just what we were saying
1: like i think it holds up
2: yeah yeah uh we should the floating panels are weird he uses a lot of these like Offset floating panels. I was going to ask you about that.
1: So that's the one thing about this. The whole time I'm reading this, and I'm just like,
0: huh. Oh, you mean the, now, the nor- panels with the drop shadows?
1: Yeah, yeah. like normally oh. drop shadows are like a narration box right. kind of thing, right? And yet Vic has gone through and put drop shadows on every panel. Like, what? Like, what the hell? Like, yeah, what? and even
2: like some, like, the, like, look at the third page for listener. If you're reading along, you flip on the third page, he's got, like, almost what should be a six-panel page. But instead, it's, like, four floating panels with weird things in the back. Like, two panels that are combined in the background.
0: Yeah, okay. So, panel one has got Mighty Man and uh, Phyllis talking.
2: All right. Phyllis's hair hair extends
0: extends into the fourth (laughs) panel, which has Mighty Man talking to Dart. And then, their bodies extend to the bottom of the page, and then, and then panels goes. two, three, five, and six are all drop shadow floating panels slapped over top of that. It is very yeah. p- particular.
2: Every panel has like a drop shadow, I think, in this issue.
0: But you want to know what's even weirder? <laughs> Do you see how Dart's hair is full bleed, but the background yeah. color isn't? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> Because if you go to the top of the page, the door frame is also full bleed, but then it just stops. Right. Yeah, dude, it's a choice. I'm just saying, like choices were made, and you see that yeah, you, no, you see that again. Uh, the very the page where that we're introduced to the uh, what's his name the um,
2: major disaster major
0: disaster introduces himself standing in the rubble with the burning stuff, the big uh, ha- uh, three fourths page splash. Yeah, so. He's in a panel that is a drop shadow panel. He's got foreground objects going full bleed off the sides, and it just looks kind of weird to me.
1: It, it, it's weird, dude. It's weird as shit. Because the thing is, is like you said, the panel gives it like a three D effect, but then it's like that debris like exists in a whole other three dimensional space, like up and above. like the panel
0: at the bottom of the page. The flames from his head are going out of the panel into the drop shadow. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I mean, I got to admit, like I got
1: to say that like w- that stuff doesn't like bother me, but I do think you as a artist you get yourself into trouble. Yeah. Because like the flame of the pipe behind him in that page is going off full bleed, but then when you just like follow down the flame of the pipe on the foreground is not. And so that's like inconsistent visually. And so this foreground element has less depth than the thing in the background. It's it's you get yourself in weird trouble when you're playing around like that. It's funny we said he didn't do splashy flashy
2: things, but like yeah, that's he's he's doing some weird shit there for sure. Yeah, it doesn't take too much away. Like you can kind of ignore it, but you look at it and you're like, that's a weird decision. Yeah, yeah, it's so, fine. Just to just to re- recap the story
0: of this issue: free forces out on their own. And they have been slumming it with Ph- at Phyllis's apartment. So you got all yeah. these super people hanging out in her apartment, and Phyllis is getting really
2: annoyed by this. So, can I ask you a no, question? Look. Does Does Mighty Man live with Phyllis, or are they just friends? Like, are they roommates? I think they're roommates.
1: Yeah, I think they're roommates, too.
2: Okay.
0: Go ahead. Sorry. Um, so they're trying to figure out how to get out of Phyllis' apartment and into their own place. And the right. only opportunity they have is uh, Dark called Dragon and got a heads up about a supervillain called Major Disaster, who if he gets, you know, because he's been he's been destroying like oil refineries and stuff because he's like an eco terrorist, right? Uh, basically the oil companies have put a bounty on his head to get him, take him out. So if Freak Force gets to him first; they get to collect the bounty, quarter of a million it's dollars. A one, it's a big one. Quarter <laughs> quarter of a million dollars, uh, bounty on him to catch him. So they want to use this money to basically get themselves set up in their own, own digs. So the majority of the issue is a big fight scene of the team against major disaster. Uh, We basically learn that their, their, their teamwork is really, really bad. They are not, they are are not 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 a team yet. They are basically a Mm -hmm. bunch of random people punching bad guys and getting lucky. And ultimately in the end, they do manage to almost accidentally take major disaster out and finally get their own place that they can uh basically be considered their headquarters. Right. And that's the story of issue number one.
1: Yeah, I just wanna say, like we were kinda of, like poking at Vic's eighties looks, but I do love uh her striped tights.
0: Uh <laughs> <laughs> who striped tights? I think, yeah,
1: I think I think they're awesome. Oh Phyllis's, actually. yeah.
0: They're pretty good. Yeah.
1: And then uh, the other thing I want to say is if readers want to see the most cursed picture of Hordis ever, when she is laying on the bed, then
0: she's like watching the porn, like the straight on Hordis shot. <laughs> I don't mind the straight on Hordis shot as much. I actually think that looks pretty good. The goofy Hordis shot is the one three, three, well, six pages later. Okay. You get the group shot of Hordis dart, rapture and ricochet mm-hmm. charging in
2: you see it i'm there yeah craig that whole panel is wonky
0: that whole panel is super wonky but hordis is the most wonky of all i don't know ricochet
2: uh <laughs> rapture could pretty much yeah, uh, rapture seems to be falling over too. her legs are just something weird going on <laughs> yeah that
0: is i mean it's a good panel seeing all the women just charging in
2: yeah, but good God, it's got issues. The foreshortening on uh, Rapture is something, something wonky there. But, <laughs> but uh,
0: but I think that is the 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 wonkiest hordeus. I actually, like I said, I don't mind the for the front on one. I think her little side smile, the panel before, is actually a little bit goofier. No,
1: that one's cute. She's cute. Side smile is cute. The straight on is that is a weird hordeus. Yeah, because he
2: just doesn't have the horns right. He doesn't know like he makes it like convex instead of concave kind of in a way. You know what I mean? Like the the middle of her head should be more concave that right. splits out to those two horns. Oh, all right. Yeah. But but her but her horns like
0: they they go over her head and they they go down. They don't go up. They go down. So if you're looking at her front on, you wouldn't see her horns.
2: Yeah, but the middle part. Yeah, I mean they yeah, you're the right. There should chef, probably be a, nose should shouldn't just be a full
0: yeah, there should probably be a there should be a little dip in there. You're right. Yeah.
1: It's just one of those designs that, like, you know, um, some artists, like, really just knock it out of the park, and then other well, artists, it's like it's going to be a hard-to-do thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
2: it's got to be a hard character to draw over and over again. And don't forget, we haven't seen her that much at this right. point.
1: Right. I also think it's uh, – I like Vic's choice to go with tube guns, Super Patriot. Because like I know that he could have tried to do like Dave Johnson, but like I don't know the tube guns are kind of charming in their own way too. Like they fit this style. Like if he tried to do like you know, yeah, Dave Dave Johnson ones, it wouldn't have worked.
2: No, tube guns are like mini series, super patriot.
1: Yeah, so the tube guns work for me. It's good. I mean, I like this villain too. I think this villain's interesting. He's got like some cool powers and interesting things and he's got good motives like he's an eco-terrorist. So he's kind of like he's not a bad guy really, like yeah. but but he is killing people to like, you know, get his way, but like I mean, you know, I think it's they at least gave him some compelling motivation. So
2: I I do like how, you know, basically besides Super Patriot and Dart The team just sucks because they have no experience. They've they've been rushed through the police academy, and they've got powers, and that's about the extent. They've got no fighting experience, so too young. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of this panel on the page where Dart gets
0: uh, hit by this giant knife, which we should probably talk about? Um, Yeah, what is up with that? I'm pretty sure the giant knife got formed out of whatever garbage was laying around by major disaster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, that's a really Interesting way to use his powers to make a giant knife, Bowie knife, yeah. Yeah. for like no reason. But uh, but uh just, uh, just throwing a sharp But my, sharp my real question is, what do you think of that panel? Uh, two down, third panel down with uh, with Mighty Man. The animation, Where you of see him the grabbing the ankle. Yeah, the animation of him grabbing the ankle. What do you, what do you think of that? You don't see that a lot, do you? you do not. Listen, <laughs> no, but I
2: like it. it, it it's fine. I, I I did notice it, but I think it definitely. You understand what's going on.
1: Um, I heard Eric criticize Burn once by saying that he does some cartoonier than what the surrounding things are, like cartooning, meaning to say, like, someone gets hit in the head and stars come off their head or stuff like that. Yeah. I don't have a lot of Burn exposure, but I feel like that is a visual that is more cartoony than what this style dictates. Like in a cartoony or book, that kind of like, here's my hand, and then snap, I'm grabbing your ankle. That works a little bit better with, with, with my disembodied wrist.
2: Right, right. Like you like might I feel like you you could have just shown him grabbing his ankle. You didn't bingo. have to show two hands.
0: Yeah, bingo. Like
2: there you go. Or, or drop a drop a panel border, like smack it
0: down, and turn yeah, it yeah. into two panels. But hey, guys, I mean, we're being really criticky. Like Vic was new, and so yeah. I don't it's know. Kind of like. It's that kind of stuff that makes this book interesting. I think
2: it works for me. I have no complaints.
1: It does work. I mean, overall, it works, and I think there's some interesting, like you know, you guys were talking about, like colors bleeding into another thing. Like if you flip over, like to the um, the first panel is like uh, the villain getting knocked down, and Rapture is saying "Yow," and then like the bad guys getting electrocuted, and then nice shot, Rapture, my turn. You got some crazy shit going on. (laughs) Like the color behind barbaric bleeds on up into the color behind panel two. fool fools all of you. Another victim. Yeah. And then it is just like I'm saying, this is this shit is wild, dude. Like it's all over there. And then like you've got barbaric saying nice shot rapture. And then like the word balloons connected to the other thing is like my turn. I'm just saying these are just some things that like, you know, it's a little bit jank. You don't see that stuff these days. Yeah. But I don't have a single problem with it. I just think it's funny. It's kind of a mark of the time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I do like in this issue how there's an effort to show everyone's powers. So you're getting introduced to the team and you're trying, you're getting to see what everyone can do. Yeah, absolutely. You do. see Hordas
0: whack some guy in the head.
2: Yeah, cause <laughs> yeah. You think that this, cause I was looking at the scene, I'm like, oh, Hordas really didn't do anything. But then at the very end, she snaps him with his tail with her
1: tail. and even too narratively they're kind of like they, they crack a little joke about like how the whole team was so shitty that even hordas could have taken him down and yeah. so it's kind of like even that gives you a little bit of character like they don't think a lot about sarah's powers you know as a fighter
2: right i love how major disaster doesn't wa- bother to wear like clothes underneath his like, <laughs> what his metal costume or whatever it's made of well, it's, it's made out of, it's, of, it's, made made out out of pol-
0: it's made out of pollution pollution yeah, yeah. so he,
2: he just puts on his skimpies and forms his <laughs> other costume over it
1: is this guy dorky looking or what he's dorky looking right like with yeah, this sharp much. goatee and thinning hair
0: yeah he looks he looks a lot a lot better
1: with this I mean, flaming skull face i mean widow's widow's peak like his widow's peak and his sharp goatee yeah I do like that panel though, the, like the visual of like his like costume just coming off of him. I think it's cool. Yeah, and we see Dart take the forehead triangle
0: off. Oh, I, liked,
2: shit. I liked. I liked that. Notice that. I liked that. Yeah. How does it stick there?
0: I don't know, but double sided tape, it. I assume.
1: When I read that, I was like, "Holy shit!" There's a picture of Dart. Well- Taking the goddamn forehead well you know what off.
0: happened is it came off when she got the giant knife went at her if you look at yeah. the if look at the panel you can see it coming off
2: oh yeah so she went back and picked
0: it up yeah that's why she's holding it of... she's holding it in her hand i bet i bet i bet, I bet it's like a
2: little tiara
0: i bet it's like a, <laughs> yeah i think it's like comb based i think it combs into her hair but I do love it like I said like that's a little touch like
1: as much as we're bagging on stuff here and there like I will say that like that kind of little thing I do love because it makes um, without having to like draw seams all over your costume or whatever else it adds that tiny degree of realism you know just to see her take this costume element off <laughs> or I guess in this case she's just picking it up to maybe like put it back on you or know whatever. I don't
0: but, I don't think Allison dart wears it now that I think about it Maybe Doesn't she does. Does she? I don't know. My memory's hazy.
2: I don't think she. would uh, I'd have to look at it again. Yeah, I'd have
0: to go do the research, but that would take effort. Seconds. Whole seconds.
1: <laughs> but, you, get uh, the Savage Fincast Wiki fans, if you have any questions. <laughs> but no, it was good. I like this. What do you guys think of the FF as a logo?
0: I I like it. I think that's I part like of the. Too. I think. I mean, it's a fine logo, but I think calling your team FF is pretty cheeky.
1: <laughs> pretty cheeky <laughs> well you know what I thought I was like damn I wish I had an FF like you know pin or pen something
0: or patch or sticker
1: decal just something you know I think that's a cool logo dude like if they wanted to use that FF in modern like continuity I wouldn't have a fucking single problem
2: with that at all it, it's funny you'll see an in, in issue 2 Darts got an FF pin <laughs> there you go dude yeah, I liked it. Um, overall, this
1: I thought was strong as hell. Uh, I I didn't expect to like it as much as I did, and I loved it. I I thought it was great. I was like, man, you know, Vic's got chops. Yes, there's some weird like shit from the past. I I ha- I actually still low key hate Mighty Man's swooshy bangs. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I cannot stand that his bangs, like, come down <laughs> over one eye. I hate that. Yeah, he's the so world's mightiest
0: man. He doesn't need both eyes to see.
1: <laughs> Who needs stereo vision when you're the world's mightiest man? But that is the one thing I can't get over. Other than that, dude, and, you know, I'm a kid of the 80s. I actually kind of, like, love her leg warmers and everything. Like, <laughs> and even the jokes. Like, you guys were talking about, like, the the sort of, like, ribbing each other team atmosphere. Like, they get the little Christmas tree and, like, oh, Dart's going to hate it. Let's be sure to put it where she can't miss it. That's funny.
2: Yeah, yeah. I like I like how, basically, they're like a young Justice League or Avengers, but they're super inexperienced. They've got a couple, like I said, old-timers or experienced guys, and they're living in less than glamorous, or the headquarters is less than glamorous. It's, like, kind of a shithole. Yeah, and they're just kind of scraping to make by. It's a cool co- make it by. It's a cool concept because they're kind of like all outcasts, you know. The freaks. They're all strange and weird. They're, though, they're freaks. Yeah. So even though they don't make not all look freaky, they are kind of outcasts.
1: Yeah, even that's how the intro starts. Is that barbaric? Is. Sitting there on the fucking fire escape, and everybody's like, oh, my God. Like, they, a, a crowd has gathered to look at him. And he
0: can't fit inside, and he can't fit in outside. He's a, a sordid like being a freak. He's a literal outcast. <laughs> no, that's good, dudes.
1: Uh, Jim, I'm, I'm interested in your first read impressions. And then, Craig, I'd like your veteran impressions.
0: Well, I think it's a pretty good, like, first issue. Gives you... Sets up your characters, gives them a conflict, g- so g- give you a place to go at the end. I, I won't say it's like super exciting. It's not. No. The, it's not the most ambitious comic on earth. I'm gonna agree with you. But there. it gets the job done. Yeah,
1: it's real workmanlike. Would you have? Can you imagine? Would you have like just
0: snapped up an issue too? Probably not. Well, no. See, that's hard because here's the thing: as a Savage Dragon fan, I probably would have been a Savage Dragon fan by issue seven, yeah. And so, I probably would be craving more stories about these characters. I would have. Yeah, I, I was going to. If say... I if I had read this without reading Savage Dragon, no, I probably would not have followed up on issue number two. Mm-hmm. As a Savage Dragon reader, yes, I would have continued following it. For me, um,
1: a lot of the times in Savage Dragon, um, the supporting cast is like criminally underutilized. Um, you just don't get to see all these awesome characters that he has. And I would have leapt at the chance to uh have supporting cast members getting to like live their lives and like watch porn in, in a cartoon and like in an apartment, you know what I mean? Like I'm just saying like that is know.
0: probably the most like risque thing this issue does. Mention it's, it's, mention it's, porn.
1: It's funny though. But I mean like there's just like there's character moments, you know like I think uh, it's interesting I I would have snapped up an issue too but uh, Craig uh, your veteran opinion I'm asking for is um, after all these years uh, you know something that you think stands the test of time like holds up like
2: yeah I think it's like I I, kind of just to reiterate what I said like I go back and you try to pick up those extreme books or wild storm books and a lot of them it's just like I can't get through it like I can get through this fine this is it's It's not lighting the world on fire, but it's exactly like Jim said like it's it's a connection to the Savage Dragon book. I felt like in the first few issues of of the regular Savage Dragon series, mm-hmm. Dragon was kind of a supporting character in his own book because of all these characters, so it's kind of yeah. nice to pull them out, give them their own book, and let Dragon kind of stand more on his own feet while still being able to follow these guys around. So I love as a you know, someone that's read this, I love that there's a good chunk of these issues that we can mm-hmm. see these characters grow mm-hmm. and it's not taking up that space in Savage Dragon. Yes. Um again, I think the art stands the test of time. Yes, some of the fashion's a little dated, but it's not, you know, those McFarlane or Lightfield clones that kind of dominated the scene.
1: You also so I'm, I'm cannot escape that, that dude. You, I'm sorry to interrupt. You also cannot escape that. Like every fucking book in the world has dated fashion.
0: Oh yeah, and, te- yeah, and technology. But was it dated you, fashion in 1993?
2: It was probably dated then too. Because yeah. I
0: remember the 90s, and it was really 80s part two. I mean, Jim. I don't know, dude. Like all those day glow
1: colors. Everyone loved their. Hairspray. No, no. Nineties was like grunge and like plaid and like. Yeah, fuck. that was like ninety six. What? I don't know. I don't think so, dude.
2: Grunge is already going strong in the early nineties. Was yeah. it? Well,
1: yeah. yeah. The nineties had a strong. I
2: was a child. I had on. my
0: triangles and swirls on my shirt.
2: <laughs> my kids. Do you remember skids? Do you guys remember skids? Wait, which one? My skids? underwear. Big baggy plaid pants. Oh,
1: no, no. But I, mean, I had pipes, Levi pipes. Do you remember
0: jeans? like the
2: MC Hammer parachute pants? I mean, yes. yes but you, yes. Know, you,
0: you don't wear those.
2: Uh, no. I mean, I always I, had wore, those, I wore jeans. I did. I had slacks. those Lee pipes. They were huge, dude. You look like a cartoon character. Pants. And I had Junkos. <laughs> my parents
0: would have killed me if I had tried to wear my pants baggy. <laughs> my pants, you could fit two of me in my pants. Yeah,
1: you could have fit like one human in each
2: leg. How do, like, you, yeah. how
0: do you even walk? I, I, I don't I don't understand baggy pants. I, I look at them and go, that looks like uncomfortable to wear. Dude, it wasn't. No, it's good. actually
2: really comfortable to me.
1: Oh, you liked it? I, it wasn't good for me. Like, I, I was always tripping over the seam
2: of it and shit. Like, yeah, they were too. You always big. had, like, the back of your jeans were, like, worn out from just yes. dragging. Like, how yes, do they not fall around your ankles? Like, what's the secret? Do you just flex Mine your calves? Did, dude. Well, the waist still, like, fit. It wasn't like it was like you're wearing like pants that were too big for you. The waist they were fitted still. It was just oh, the falling legs around your ankles. Wide. Yeah, yeah. Weird. Yeah, you're right. Strange.
1: Strange. I'm gonna level one criticism at this comic. The only real heavy criticism that I will say is I think it could have had a more interesting villain. That's number one. And then number two. Uh, I said one criticism, then I got two, and then the other criticism is in the very back, uh, Freak Force letters column, like Eric's doing the uh, sort of introduction and everything, and the introduction to the characters I feel could have been done as two pages of comics, mm. um, yeah, where he where he basically gives you just a real quick recap of every single member, and like to me, he- heavy handed as it would have been. I think if you'd taken two pages and been like, you know, I mean, like even this reads better, a better intro, because like they're making jokes about, you know, Rapture being a prostitute. And it's like, okay, as a reader, you get that. But as a new reader, you don't know what you can get a lot of work done in 30 minutes means like that doesn't mean anything like that doesn't make sense at all. And so you have to know Rapture is a prostitute for that joke to land. Yeah, that's a
2: harsh joke, too. It's like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. It's
1: <laughs> a harsh joke. And, uh, and I'm just saying, like, like even these like these recaps he did are very concise, you know, and they would have worked as, like, two pages of panels. You know, he's like, Ricochet and Barbaric, Teenage Runaways with a Mysterious Past, Rapture, Formerly
0: Hooker, Now Electrically Endowed. We could have portrait. done, like, use one of the ad pages, like, just put their portraits up and then put their description under it.
2: Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, I honest. kind of, or, or like a profile, like he did yeah. in the Savage Dragon. Just comments. do
0: a couple of tiny profiles on like one page, and then you're good to go. Instead, What's
2: a, this I forgot is to like mention text. this, but the panel where Phyllis Dieter's talking to Mighty Man, she's like, "You're looking a little tense yourself." Is and Mighty Man's like, "It's not that. I just uh, have to go to the bathroom." She's like, "So?" And she's like, "Oh, she's like, oh is shit?" They like transform back to no, no.
0: Mighty the Man bathroom? poops.
2: See. The way
0: it works is, my, my, <laughs> Mighty Man and the and the uh, alter ego are two separate people, and they both have their own biologies. When one when you when you transform to Mighty Man, your other body is still alive. It still Man needs food and water. It needs to poop. Right.
2: But well, what's but my, but
0: Mighty Man himself also needs to poop. But he doesn't need, probably doesn't need to poop very often because he probably doesn't eat very often because he's Mighty Man. But why is he having a problem? Like, can't he just use Oh, Oh, you know what it is? It's not even any of that. It's because she has to piss. And she's a dude. And it's awkward. Why does it
1: make her tense?
0: Because she's a she. And now she's got a penis. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't understand because you're dudes. (laughs) I mean, I get that you're saying it'd be
1: weird for her to have to hold a cock to pee, but like...
0: Is it that much of a
2: problem?
1: Also, wouldn't you have been used to it by now at this point?
2: Like I said, I don't think Mighty Man pees very often. Nah. Okay. <laughs> but, I just didn't understand that when I first read it. I was like, I understand that. Yeah, I didn't pees. get it either. I, I it it, it
0: either. has to do with the fact that Mighty Man is a girl.
1: On that same page behind Dart is a picture of a burning house yeah phyllis, what is that that phyllis has framed
0: and that is insane no, it's all, well <laughs> what is that phyllis, phyllis has weird art all over the place she's got this big crane picture <laughs> yeah. well there was a bird theme and so i was
1: kind of feeling the bird theme but then i just noticed like darts i on thought the it was phone. a burning
2: church <laughs> <laughs> like got one of phyllis? a big sunflower what
1: in this fucking world <laughs>
2: Oh my god! Uh, oh well, well that wraps up. Uh, free... Oh, do you guys want to talk about the ads? Yeah, just
0: real quick. There's the Vanguard issue three uh, one that we've seen by Joe Mad, uh, we... butt kicking action. Enough said. Yep, and we got a Stormwatch ad uh, for issue number seven. It Says the final showdown. Stormwatch Prime returns. I'm sure this is all very exciting for Stormwatch fans. What's <laughs> uh, art by Scott Clark and Trevor Scott? I don't know who any of these people are. Jim Lee and Brandon Choi. I know who they are.
2: They're all Jim Lee clones. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say a bunch of
1: like Jim Lee clones.
0: Uh, a Gen 13 double page spread that we saw talked about last Retrocast. Then we get this big Young Blood Extreme Comics spread, with, like all the covers from all the different comics that
2: kind of Life like
0: Life has churned out over these two years. Uh, it's a license like to print money, cool. dude. <laughs> this seems to be Liefeld pushing the extreme as a brand over mm-hmm. Image as a brand, is what I would read this ad as.
2: Well, it says "Extreme" product available at comic shops everywhere, exclusively from Image Comics. Right,
0: but it says "Extreme" twice, Image yeah. once. I don't know. It just gets a you get a feeling that Liefeld's trying to like really push his own brand right now.
1: Well, remember, it's a different time. They don't know that the image is going to go 28 years. Instead, like, I think we even, like, Eric was talking about this at some point, like, they're like, oh, shit, like, the bubble was starting to burst. Yeah, but, so you...
0: By 94, you think?
1: No, 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 but I'm just saying, like, they were, like, these guys, like, they would have been at that point, like, starting to try and... Everybody had different goals, remember? Something I and forgot so like, to
0: do. I should have been doing the entire time of the retrocast. This issue comes out in December 1993. Just mm-hmm. just to put it into context of the times. Merry Christmas. <laughs> That's why we see the Christmas tree. Even in yeah. those early days, Eric
1: keeping track of that. Christmas, dude. The holiday that always gets representation. <laughs> yeah, he loves his Christmas. Fucking Christmas, bro. But, yeah, no. It's just one of those things where, like, in the, you had Top Cow and all those, like even back then they were trying to like get studios and like literally studios where guys would come and
0: work wait what was top cow at that time what was turner wasn't a founder was he uh
2: silvestri was oh with Silvest- silvestri he was with Wildstorm. no homage studios i'm sorry not wasn't wasn't jim lee's homage before it became wildstorm no 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 it's always yeah. it's
0: always been wildstorm homage was mm-hmm. homage was a imprint of Unless I don't don't know something about that history, because I always saw homage as a as an imprint of Wildstorm. Uh, Omage is Omage who published Astro
2: City and. Um, no, Jim Lee started homage first. I'm almost positive, positive. and Silvestri was under that studio. Silvestri was a founder, though, right? So. Yeah, but he worked. He was doing
0: cyber. I guess with he was
2: Jim. God. He was
0: doing Cyberforce. That's what I was trying to get at. I guess I couldn't remember if he did yeah. when Witchblade yeah, happened. Because that's when Top Cow era started, was like Witchblade. Yeah. You gotta be honest. Why was
1: I saying Top Timeline on that shit is fuzzy as hell.
2: <laughs> I'm trying to look at like his thing, but um. Alright, I've got the Wikipedia on
0: Watch Comics comic book publishing imprint a subdivision of wildstorm created in 1995 so that can't be it
1: oh so we're two we're still two years from homage comics coming out right
2: yeah uh, nevertheless it doesn't matter moving along i just was watching the the image comics documentary
0: mm-hmm. and top cow was created in 92 when image was founded so he was top cow the entire time oh okay uh, he shared a he yes. shared a studio, but they had their own imprints
2: Top Cow and okay. wildstorm well that's it then they yeah. were in the same studio but I knew they were like there' was all the different studios, and they were starting to get competitive and that's where the whole thing with Lifefield had a falling out because he was uh, I think Silvestri accused him of trying to steal some talent from his studio right yeah and there was that big thing that, so was that's why some competition. Top Cow left Image in like ninety six, right, and then came back once they kicked Liefeld out, like, right. I believe, yes. Right. <laughs> and then um, that's when you'll see Larson start to go towards the highbrow imprint on oh, his, right. And then eventually he drops it. And I remember reading in a letter page somewhere, and I forget, I think it was in Vanguard that said, "Like, why did you drop the highbrow thing?" And he was like, oh, "I am just Image Comics. I like, I don't want to do that."
0: Yeah, he, everyone else has their studios. Larson likes to just be Image.
1: Well, Highbrow was also a parody of Legend. <laughs> Remember Legend?
0: Not really.
2: He was yeah. like a little Dark Horse image comics. Yeah, that was like um, Monkey Man and O'Brien and... Hellboy. Uh, Hellboy, and what's the other one that... Um, Martha Washington? No, a ro- a Giant Robo, right? Yeah. No, 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 not, not
0: Giant Robo. Um, uh, big Guy and Rusty. Big Guy, big guy, and, and, rusty. guy and Rusty. Which yeah. is
1: amazing. So basically, like, highbrow was a parody of the Legend logo, oh, which I thought was I did. Famous. Really, did. is that I what did. it was supposed to be? I didn't realize it. Put them side by side, dude. It has to be. If if it never was official, it was just way too much of a coincidence. But like, yeah, the Legend logo is like almost the highbrow logo. It's really close. So here, my
2: favorite thing is the the Savage Dragon Bert strips when he uses the the highbrow logo as a dildo. <laughs>
1: spoilers i haven't read that
0: uh sorry no i'm kidding <laughs> that'll be a great thing to cover when it starts um so anyway. quick question how do you guys the only other ads left are the max versus the pit for max issue number seven and a freak and a freak force number two cover preview
2: mm-hmm. what do you guys think and wildcat seven
0: yeah and wildcat seven but talking about these two what do you guys think of having the entire like logo and publisher mock-ups on the preview art and the price tags
1: Skip it, you know. Just show us the cool art.
0: Yeah, I I, f- I also agree. I think having them mocked up just like covers is just kind of weird. Because I yeah. I could bend I this cover backwards, and it's suddenly Freak Force number two.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, it's, it's show me a cool art, like show me cool image, like
0: you don't need, you don't need all that shit. But uh, and yeah, on the back cover we get Wildcats number seven. So all these books are actually at issue number seven at roughly the same time. Uh, Stormwatch was issue seven. Wildcats is issue which seven. Is, Savage Dragon is issue which is seven. Weird because Max Dragon is issue number seven. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. So that's uh, Freak Force number one. And then we go to the immediately cooler, should have been the
2: first issue. Yeah, think Freak so? Freak Force number two. Yes, dude. This really? issue is
1: so much better. It than, is
2: so much better, but I feel like you needed that setup of one.
1: I think if you're trying to hook fans, you go for the gusto, and then you spill the, like, oh, you know, we're trying to find our headquarters, and I gotta, and I gotta pee, and or and I gotta poop, or whatever. But this one,
0: this one does have a, a better antagonistic force because at least it ties into one of your characters' backstory. They look cooler too. I like don't, they, I don't agree with that, but I get what you're saying. Cooler powers, they look cooler, like
1: to me this was way better than the first issue way better
0: uh so yeah we got mako in the cover a big seller that mako look at ricochet's off-kilter lips i really like that oh yeah she's very her face is all contorted all oh no it's mako i'm just saying (laughs) a lot of artists wouldn't do that also we we found we found mighty man's head oh wait that's a callback to another episode never mind (laughs) good luck making that joke work audience
2: it's a cool cover. I like it.
1: It is. It's a good cover. I think, like, if you put this on stands today, it would still sell. Like this. When we're talking about like, Vin you don't Brady you don't think working. Mako looks a little a little tame? Uh, I think his big fat bottom lip looks weird.
2: Yeah. But overall, the cover okay. is strong. I mean, don't forget. Again, Mako hasn't been drawn in a lot of issues, and it's just a different artist's take. But right. It's totally. I'm totally fine with it. I'm fine.
0: Because in this issue, we get both Mako and the Covenant of the Sword, both groups, characters who have history with Super Patriots, so it just, it ties all together a lot more neatly than the first issue, which was just a lucky break. Oh, lucky that there's eco is nearby that we can go capture. What luck. (laughs) To get our quarter million and buy our headquarters.
1: Right. (laughs) Well, I mean, hey, they called in a favor, you know?
0: But uh, yes, this this issue was published uh, January 94, and its mm-hmm. rough story is uh, Free Force is trying to hire a secretary, and it's not going well because Barbaric scares everybody away because <sighs> he's freaky looking. Too ugly. Meanwhile, we find out the mayor of Chicago, which is actually kind of interesting, we'll talk about that later, is a member of the Covenant of the Sword, that clandestine organization that has been trying to... Do something, take over the world, and they—they they were the ones who reprogrammed and messed with Super Patriot in his miniseries. Right. Um, wait, what was their motivation for attacking him? Oh yeah, to clean up as an embarrassment. So basically, yeah, they, embarrassment. they put together a team to go kill Super Patriot because having him walking around is—is is flaunting Covenant of the Swords uh, uh power. So they put we'll it, failure yeah. yeah. So they put a team together of five dudes, uh, one of which is Mako. So they teleport mm-hmm. to the roof of the uh, Freak Force headquarters where a fight between them and Barbaric, Ricochet, Mighty Man and Super Patriot ensues. Oh, and Hortus, She's there too. <laughs> fight happens. Fight happens. Inevitably, eventually, um, they do manage to turn the tide and win the day. We briefly see Dragon. And in the end, because the the, uh, the Covenant uh, operatives did not uh, succeed in their mission, they terminate the mayor as the Covenant of the Sword is wont to do.
1: Don't forget that there's a subplot throughout the whole issue of Super Patriot knows the jig is up. Mighty Man is not the man he used to be.
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah, that that is a subplot that runs through. Early on yeah. in the issue, Mighty Man basically tells her directly, uh, tells Dart directly that... Or does that happen early on?
1: No, it's a thing. Like, when he's talking, he's like, hey... I just want to talk to someone my age. This team's not, you know, this team's too young. Uh, times have changed. You've changed. And then when you get to the end of the issue, that's when he confirms the kill with Dart. He's like, hey, look, dude, you know, something's up with Mighty Man. He's acting like a total amateur. He's not himself.
0: I could have swore, though, maybe it was the last issue, that... Mighty Man told Dart flat out that she's not the same. That he's not the same person. Well, she told Dart because she she told Dart, but only Dart knows. She right. said she didn't want to tell anyone else. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember where that happened. I can't remember if it happened last issue or if it happened in, in Savage Dragon
2: Six. No, it was in the. Oh well, in the cafe
1: last. Uh, that might have been Savage Dragon Six, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you're I'm thinking. Cafe. I'm thinking it was in Savage Dragon Six. Now that I really think about it. Yeah, I to trust
1: go, you. You're the only one I can
2: trust. <laughs>
0: But, uh, so this issue, I think, is as good as the first, you know, as a complete package. Well, tell me, tell me why.
1: Better in every way, dude. Still got, still got, still got
0: those drop shadows, though.
1: Yeah, those drop shadows. What's funny, I love is, like, he's really leaning into it, too. Like, the woman on the very first splash page, her fingers are casting a drop shadow they, as, are a, as are her boots. As
0: are her boots. Wow, that is that is a thing.
1: I love it, dude. It's like a little fucking light
2: is shining. Um, but I said why I thought. Craig, you say. Um, well, I think it's better. I think the villains are better. Yep. I think Mako and the Covenant of, sword, of the Sword tying in, you know, the Savage Dragon series and the Super Patriot series makes it exciting. Yep. I... At this time, I just remember being like, I need to know everything I can about the covenant of the sword. Like, yeah. They're cool. I love how they're just like kind of this class of people that nobody knows about where they're like normal everyday politicians and you're workers. And then they go underground and put their little like Knights of the Templar uniforms on and yep. worship some kind of weird thing. hmm. Um, these villains were all brand new besides Mako. That was kind of exciting. They were cool. They had a lot of cool powers. Um, and also, what I kind of talked to you guys about before is we're seeing these characters in, like, either different costumes and, like... Yeah, dude. Or I do like that Vic Bridges does this in the series and you'll see he puts them in a lot of, like, street clothes or different clothes in their costume, which makes me... Gives it a realer feel or just a more... I don't know. Just... A different feel than eric does where eric kind of always keeps people in costume
1: ricochet and barbaric in particular are fighting and like fucking you know she's in like pajamas almost like sweat sweats
0: nah she's in jeans she's in jeans and a sweatshirt
1: Sweat a well, sweatshirt but like he's got on like this like exercise suit you know like tights
2: yeah yeah and
1: it actually kind of looks cool on him
2: yeah he's just not wearing the same costume all the time it makes sense you know yeah catch them off guard because they're this is their place so like they're hanging out waiting for a new job the other thing i wanted to point out was i didn't get when i first read this and i didn't even realize it when i read savage dragon 81 mm-hmm. but savage dragon 81 in the savage world has mako in this costume that's
0: what i was gonna say everyone says oh that's a savage world his his namor costume
2: yeah but no it's yeah. from here Yeah, and I didn't catch that. Although, the one in the Savage World, I think, is yellow instead of green. Yeah, it's a little Mm -hmm. different, but it's a similar pattern. But but I totally forgot about that until I did the reread
1: today. Well, let me tell you, part of what I was saying when I said these villains look cool, I love Mako in his Covenant of the Sword outfit here with the jagged, like, triangles. But then a really nice thing that Vic did is if you notice... Every single one of these villains has a unique shape pattern running up the seams of their suit. Yeah. Like, it's cool. I mean, it's just a yeah. really nice touch. And I think Mako looks fucking badass. As does, like, fucking octopus head guy.
2: With the Covenant logos, too.
0: Yeah. I- I'm trying to find out what these characters' names are. But it's one of those cases where they don't state them outright when you first meet them. And you got to
2: catch it all in dialogue. It's Flux Hive, Manga Squid, and Mako. I do hate manga as a name, but <laughs> <I'm> moving along. <laughs> manga Hive is the guy that generates all the little mini guys. Off that is of him. an it's... awesome power. What's it What's yeah, In his... flux can phase.
0: Well, it's not really phasing. It's like I mean, it is phasing, but she can like disconnect her wrists from her arms and her body from her body. She's buggy De clown, Jim. Yeah, she yeah ex- exactly. But I'm, one page jokes, sorry, folks. I'm trying to figure out what manga's deal is because it looks like he tells a teleporter. He can take dude. on
2: the powers of of uh, comic book characters.
0: Oh, that may. Okay, that makes sense. Oh,
2: so he's Nightcrawler, and then he's Lobo. He's, I didn't pick that up at all. Right. So
0: he says. So so so, the Cup and the Sword guy says, "Okay, make uh, what did he say? He says pinpoint his location, make it quick and messy." Manga. And then Manga says, This looks like a job for the night creeper. Then he gets all dark and sinister. And then his shoulder pads look like night crawlers. You're right. And they
2: bamf away.
0: Oh but, my god. He yeah, even
2: says bamf. He does. Away. It's so, a midnight creeper instead of night crawler. And
0: so when he lands, he's sick because it disables him for a while. And then. This, this is a fucking fountainhead moment. Because I did
1: not pick up on that shit at all, but it makes his name make so much more
2: sense.
0: Yeah, it's literally a reference to comic books.
2: Oh, my and he God. he turns into Lobo and talks just like Lobo. He turns
0: into Lobo. I missed that part because I was confused about how his powers worked. So he beats up on Hortus. And then gets his ass beat by Hortus, so Hortus is getting better. And then and at then the, he
1: turns into a, the, a superhero Then dude. he turns oh into
0: God. Captain Achilles, which is oh a Captain God. Marvel sort of thing. Wow, he's a cool character. He is a cool character. Bring him back, Eric. We need more Manga. <laughs> manga
1: is actually a really cool character, dude. That's actually really fucking cool.
0: This should have been issue 1. I'm going to be I'm on- sorry. I'm going to be honest, it was very I will say this though, now that this now that I know what understand what this what's going on, it's cool. Mm-hmm. But when I didn't understand what was going on, it wasn't as cool. I kind of thought he was a different character three different times. I got to be honest, Jim. I
1: gathered that he was a shapeshifter. Yeah. Because there's obviously that panel of him becoming the Lobo character. Yeah. But I just couldn't for the fucking life of me (laughs) figure out why he was called
0: Manga. Um, In that particular scene where he turns into a Lobo character, he doesn't seem. He doesn't name himself that time. So it's less obvious what's happening. If he had said, I'm turning into White Wolf or something Wolf or. Something. So, for me,
1: I knew I knew it was the guy that teleported him, because your clue for that is when uh, Hortus comes up to him, she says, are you okay? You look sick. And then she offers him some Campbell's soup, and then he transforms, and I was thinking to myself, why is their teleporter suddenly able to, like, fucking morph, like, whatever? Right. And I wasn't thinking about it, but goddamn, dude, he's a cool character when you put it in that, like, when you understand. Oh, my God, I'm embarrassed. I love to record my shame and my ignorance.
0: So apparently, so amazing. so it looks like his limit is he can be <laughs> a minute. he can be a different superhero for 1 minute and then he has yeah. to be sick for 1 minute. So he can be a hero every 60 seconds for 60 seconds. At least minute I'm minute. not sure. Yeah. Which is pretty powerful if you use it correctly.
1: Well Jim, there's no downtime because he actually transforms immediately from fucking the Lobo character. Fuck, fucking the Lobo. Sorry, that's a bad verbal filler I have, folks. It, it makes really weird conversations sometimes. He transforms from the Lobo dude, like, into Captain Achilles. Does he? Yeah.
2: No, not He's really. only
1: knocked out. It's not immediate, but, like, he's only knocked out for, like, a second. Like, it's not like another
0: minute. I don't think there's that minute gap. Because he gets knocked against the wall by Horatist, and we don't see him again. Until he's suddenly saying, "Time's up. Time for our next contestant. Hope your will's in order. The next in the next sixty seconds, that I'm able to maintain the form of Captain Achilles, I will kill you." And then Super Patriot, and Super Patriot immediately shoots him in the in the, in the, uh,
2: Achilles, in the Achilles
0: tendon because obviously that's your weakness, idiot.
1: Oh my God, I'm so stupid. He even says,
0: Super Patriot even says, "I read those comics as a kid." See. When I, oh that, when I read that, when I read that crystal clear, yeah, when I, when I read that the first time though, I thought he was like talking in general that he like, he learned about the myth of Achilles through comic books, but now it makes more sense that he's actually just a reference to oh, like, no, actual dude, we're, comic we're books. We're dumbasses. We are all. real dumb asses. You're we're right. Just Raven. fucking stupid, dude. I'm sorry. Like,
1: it's what's bad. Here's the thing is like, I try not to criticize comics. Like, like, uh, if they have given me all the clues, then the failure's just on my part. And, like, dude, there's so many clues that, like, his power is to turn into comic characters. Uh, I just didn't realize. I thought to myself, it's so funny because, like, when I saw that Lobo-looking character, I was like, huh, pretty weird that, like, clearly Vic can make all these pretty unique-looking characters and then all of a sudden this one dude looks like a Lobo ripoff. I just wasn't fucking putting, like,
2: connecting the dots. Goddamn, I'm a dumbass. We figured um, it out in the end. <laughs> Live well, that, that, that scene where Mako is attacking Super Patriot again, which is kind of a cool callback scene to like when he first, you know, messed up Super Patriot. But Super Patriot drops like what, like a mechanical bowling ball or something on his head. Yep. Thank you. I was wondering what the fuck was going on there. What is happening?
0: He's reconfigured. He made, he's reconfigured his arm into a projectile, and he just dropped it on his head. You can see it happening in the second panel. In his other, yeah. in the other arm, it's like. Tri- configuring into some weird configuration he just
1: turned his arm into like a bowling ball
0: yeah I mean he has to shoot bullets so it makes sense that he can just eject parts of himself
1: okay at you least just it, sold me on it at
0: least it. Makes sense to me
1: I was not yeah. sold but you literally just then with the bullet defense you sold
0: me on the bowling ball yep you sold me dude it is a unique thing we've never seen before I will tell you that and I don't think we see it very much in the future either
1: you know what's funny that makes nothing but sense, and he could do more like giant bullets and shit. It wouldn't even, yeah. You sold me, dude.
0: I mean, he's probably got limitations about how much mass he can eject, but yeah.
1: Um, I, the octopus guy is he just blasting Mighty Man with ink? Yes, that's what I. That's yeah, how I read it, it. Yes, that's what I thought. I was just checking to make sure. I mean, I fuck. I missed. It. I misunderstood so much. I was just making sure I didn't. <laughs> misunderstand that power
2: i love um the page first of all i i really do like the covenant of the sword they're really creepy and oh they're incredible they're, dude i love the page where they're looking at the monitors and there's like that kind of that close-up on the one guy's face where he's got the the andy rooney eyebrows and stuff
1: yeah they're really like bushy old man bro <laughs>
2: he, they're just i don't know they're cool visuals i like that yeah
1: all these guys are, dude. Like, I, I think love
2: the the drones that the Covenant have. Like, so at the last page where he kills the guy, yes, like those dude. guys kind of show up all around. They're just based on Dave Johnson type, you know. Uh, Kudzu Tech, you know, Dave jo- yeah, Dave yeah, because Dave Johnson drew the mini, so all these designs are based on him. Yeah, I, it's
1: funny because like Vic chose to go like Larson tube gun on Super Patriots arms, but then he totally proves. That he can, like, go Dave Johnson cylinders with that, like, Covenant of the Sword dude executing the mayor. Yep. Like, it looks good. Like, it doesn't look bad. Like, it's fucking looks, like, right on model. This is good, dude. This is a good issue. Like, I'm saying, like, this is a really, really solid fucking issue. Like, the Covenant of the Sword look awesome. These, like, this team that they've sent... It's funny because it's like a team book, so of course you're gonna send another team, like a team of villains against them. And it's like you get that, you get all kinds of like awesome character comedy, like, you know I don't know, good body language, like Vic's got good body language on this. I think I,
2: I think he missed the mark on one thing. Lay it out. I think he made Rapture look too conservative. Eh where when you look at this page two and three well and also just go back page yeah, two you see she's not Darts, she's not really help in she's not really oh, in the, the sweater <laughs> yeah yeah it's not just, real rapture. well it's winter it just seems out of character for her is it i mean i enjoy seeing them in street clothes but it seems like she would have something like low cut yeah if she was gonna wear something totally because she's a giant flirt yeah agree i don't think you appreciate a woman in a sweater is all i'm saying <laughs> no, I don't think that. I mean, I mean, you look at the way she wears a police uniform. Yeah, and she's gonna wear a sweater like that. Yeah,
0: it's January.
1: I think the character would have her have the twins out. I'm,
2: that's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's just the way Eric writes her. She's very provocative, and this just seems a weird mischaracterization. But I will say, I wonder if part of it is maybe that Vic Bridges felt uncomfortable with it because one of the things I wanted to bring up is that Vic Bridges doesn't do any more work after this series no Mm. and from what I remember and I was actually it was one of the reasons why I was listening to I was talking to Savage Dragon super fan Mark Welser was I was trying to pick his brain if he remembered why but I I remember Eric saying something to the effect that he left comics because of religious reasons, right? I don't know know if he was a Jehovah's witness or something. Well, that would explain it. And so I'm wondering if part of this is, I mean, obviously he's right. He's drawing her in costume and other parts of this book. So I don't know, but I'm wondering if he's toning it down a little bit when he can. That makes sense. That makes
1: sense. Um, things I'd like to highlight is I think are extra like exceptional moments artistically um, that I just I gotta, I'm sorry, listener, just please appreciate these moments is I think that the, uh, panel of, uh, ricochet bouncing through the chick that can like, you know, turn into chunks. Jeez. I yeah. think that's a really awesome,
2: flexor, uh, shot. I mean.
1: Yeah, I think that's incredible. And then the same, likewise, the panel of uh, Hive with all the little dudes yeah. busting out of his Come side. On. I think that is exceptional. And then the last thing that I'm going to praise, but this is actually, this whole issue is full of like just strong everything. Strong like perspective, backgrounds, funny character faces, funny character moments. Uh, my final thing to highlight is on the page where uh, – Manga is becoming uh, Captain Achilles. The last panel, Hordis, is butting her head into his. And it yeah. is the fucking funniest, one One of the funniest Hordis drawings
2: I've ever seen. It's fucking hilarious. It's good, though. It looks on character.
1: I no, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's on character, but it's just a funny visual of her... Like a like, pissed off dog. <laughs> yes, dude, yeah. And it, it fits her character so well. It's funny that... It's like Vic instantly understood and knew these characters, because he's even selling their body language, dude. I don't know, just strong as hell to me. If
2: you if you look at that that panel too, yeah, which is pretty cool is look at Super Patriot's arm is like his wrist went down to expose a cannon. Yeah. So his hand is like flapped down. Right. There's a cannon coming out, and he's got another cannon on top of that.
1: Yeah it's awesome dude there's all kinds of good shit like that in this oh it's good I liked it I liked it a lot I thought this was really solid solid as hell should have been issue number one like just
2: fantastic the art is solid I love that last page where he wastes where the drone wastes that guy like the guy's face and everything just solid solid inking solid penciling yep and hilariously, Drone
1: 7 will take over as the mayor. Do you think that is a callback to Drone 7 from Sector G?
0: Mm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Speaking of which, Josh Icorn is a wedgie recipient. <laughs> wedgie. Wedgie. Wedgie.
1: Wedgie, Yeah, okay. they, they dropped the D, but it's wedgie. Oh, wait, no, wedgie. Yeah, they got the D in there. Yeah, wedgie recipient oh yeah, a wedgie oh, a wedgie
0: wow okay so here's the thing i know what a wedgie is and i know what a yeah. recipient is when i was putting those two words together i was thinking the completely different wedgies and recipients
1: wait i need your context like a wedgie well, what as were you thinking
0: i was <sighs> wedgie like a wedge of cheese like the shape of a wedge oh. and recipient <laughs> i was trying to like force like the word receipt for some reason <laughs> and it didn't make any, I just, it was like a completely failure of language. The happening. old cheese receipt.
1: <laughs> well, now you know how we could read manga and not know what the fuck's going on with
2: it. how, how strange, now, just opening, look at this inside cover, I'm looking at that first page, the, the bubble, the speech bubble with mm-hmm. the E in it. That's very strange looking. What's weird about it? I know immediately
1: what's weird about it. What would fix it is that the bubble is like over the word. Well,
0: that's yeah, not so be. bad if it ran longer, or like it was a slightly different. Like I would, have what I would have done, you know, because I'm a I'm a professional letterer, is I would have made it. <laughs> I would have made the bubble like taller and had like two lines of ease running off the edges. Because the whole idea is that she's screaming so loud, it's like it's like consuming. The word bubble. Okay. Yeah, sure. And it doesn't really play like that because it kinda stops at the edges, so just the edges are getting cut off instead of like like chunks of the word. Yeah. Like it doesn't it doesn't need the exclamation point. It should have just been ease running off at the end. Um, thing I'm gonna pick on just a little bit. It's funny
1: because it's literally sandwiched between two panels I praised. Um, When you see Ricochet, you know, bounce between phase, and then like Hive is like got the little guys busting out. In the middle panel, Barbaric winding up his left arm for like a wind up punch. Oh yeah, that's just weird looking <laughs> <laughs> he, He's stirring it up, you know. He's gonna give him the, <laughs> give him the mixer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why yada yada? Like he just pops some spinach. I'm in a lousy mood. Get gritty for a... Even that joke doesn't really land. Get ready to get beat, eggnoggin'. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, I loved it. This was a fucking... If the first issue had to get a number score, I would give it a strong like 7. I would give this a strong like 9.5. Like this was good,
0: dude. Yeah. This was really good. Can't disagree. I am really enjoying this series now that we've gotten started.
1: Yeah. Lay it on me, Jim. Give me give me those feels, dude. I need that fresh reader. Like give me what you think, what your head says. Well, space, what what dude?
0: about you? I mean, this is fresh to you too. I mean, you're saying it's well, a 9.5. I, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a 9.5.
1: Lay it on me because I'm say?
0: A, I, I, I read so many superhero comics, I it kind of it's it's very good in the in good ways but it still lacks something exciting to like well, make how, it more than like an 8
1: well 8s are still eight's 7. 7. 8. 7. 8s seven point eight. 7.8 still
0: good, I, I, right? I I I say it's actually more closer to an 8 to be honest cuz it is it is it is one of the better superhero comics I've read I think ever uh-huh. so but it is not I, but there's nothing like there's there's a lack of meat to it we've had two issues and they both primarily featured a large extended fight scenes the most character stuff we got is with dart mm-hmm. primarily and not so much everyone else and i think that's what's lacking right now is character arcs because we no, barely got sub-plot. started
1: mighty man like super patriot, well that's that's more that's
0: more of a mystery but yes you're right <laughs> mighty mighty man and super patriots like mighty man's trying to fake it and super uh-huh. patriot apparently isn't noticing because he's old right and uh Dark's in on it but she doesn't really know the facts but Dart doesn't really care either she just needs to know what their capabilities are and if she knows she's a rookie that's how she's going to handle it mm-hmm. but um I just think as time goes on and more character threads like Barbaric and Ricochet and, Hort- and especially Hortus. Hordis' Hortus Hortus's like history is nothing going on I mean, what's going on with Hortus? she dated Michelangelo and she married Rex Dexter that's Hortus's life I mean she's a simpleton you know but that's the problem that she should evolve and I felt that after she got married and had a kid she's actually a better character now we just don't ever see her to see that so we all still assume she's a simpleton yeah we haven't seen her damn daughter like the team is in
1: Canada and we've not seen Dixie but that's
0: that's my main problem with Hortus as a character is that because she has she's played up as kind of a clueless uneducated person her character's got no place to go and that's always been my problem with Hortus. Plus, her design doesn't excite me as much as it does other people. I mean, it's a good design, but spiky lizard girl is not my bag. Bite your tongue? You just don't appreciate the value of a sweater. I, I guess.
1: <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll, I'm going to counter that. Okay. Counter it. You, Combo you get break ready. me. I, I thought it was cool because you have Dart. You know, she's struggling with administrative functions, which she's not used to. You have uh, just, like, Rapture talking about, like, dating and love and, like, you know, your life in Detroit. And it's funny because it's weird. After all these years of reading Savage Dragon, I don't even fucking think about Dart's life in Detroit. And yet here we are in the very first few pages. You've got Rapture and Dart just talking about shit I just never think about with these characters. Like, Dart dating? That's interesting. And so... Then you got subtext of, like, here's this mayor that's, like, he's a mayor, but, like, like the Covenant of the Sword has, like, fucking clones of, like, people that are in charge of
0: cities. Well, think about that. We got introduced to the mayor of Chicago. Yeah. For one issue. And then he got replaced by a clone. Yeah.
1: This is interesting stuff. That's what I'm saying. It's, like, it's not just a big fight scene. Like, if you look, but like, past the fight stuff, there's interesting shit happening. You know what I mean? Like, there's, like... uh you know subplots of like distrust between super patriot and mighty man there's the like you know the little functional roles of like dark you know becoming almost like a leader like she's clearly the one leading the charge on like getting their headquarters right a secretary whatever else and like i don't know to me there's a lot more under the hood here
2: and there's there's like infighting, kind of like where barbaric and ricochet are Kind of complaining about Dart. Yeah. Yeah. And he's basically ready to leave because he's like, I don't need Dart. She's not my mom. Like, this is bullshit. Yeah. Well, they do have the same hair.
0: (laughs) I think it's good. I think it's strong. I will say
1: that I have read issues of Invincible that were, like, worse than this. You know what I'm saying? I see. So, to me, that's why I say it's a strong hero comic. Because there's there's a lot in play and there's a lot going on. So, I think it's tight. I, I think it's way the fuck better than issue one.
2: I think if you guys like this issue, you're going to like the series. as it Oh, going. that's good to hear. Dude.
1: Also,
0: hashtag bring Manga back.
2: Yeah, bring that character back. Dude. Sorry, he doesn't have, He comes back in issue 115. He does? <laughs> <laughs> of oh, Savage Dragon.
0: Right, right. Which means if he was, if that's the case, then he probably didn't survive that issue. Yeah, he probably got blown up.
2: <laughs> uh, No, he's in backup i believe wait
0: 115 oh, that must have been rock house diner
2: Mm-mm. no
0: way no 115 oh, was, was
2: freak force oh no
0: that's freak force zero that's why he's in it
2: yeah. am i crazy is it freak force zero uh, or is
0: it or is it the freak force backup is that
2: the mark is 115 the mark engler freak force backup? i think that
0: might might be the case yes it is that that's Isn't why that it- he's in it
1: I'm telling you guys, like, think about the what the, what a gift that character is. You have a villain who can essentially turn into any comic character, but basically like a thinly veiled illusion. Right. So you could he give can, the he fans can, he
2: can
0: turn into any knockoff. That, that's what I'm
2: saying. It's, it's kind like, of a silly power, though. It's weird. It's nah, weird.
1: i are I'm saying
0: no, that, that. Okay, it is a weird power, but it isn't unheard of in comics. Like, it's very much like Dial H for Hero. The DC character, the teenage yeah. character, with the who, who dials H E E. Wait, how do you spell hero? H E R O <laughs> on his dial, and he turns right. into a random superhero. Not not a random like known superhero, but a brand new, completely different than last time. Random superhero. But it's almost a dial H sort of power. But and think
1: I- about it, like so, like you could have, you could give the fans that Savage Dragon versus Spider Man moment. Like through a character like this, you see what I'm saying. Like it's yeah. it's it's kind of a neat character. Like I, I it kills me that such a cool character exists, and he's just been <laughs> doing nothing <laughs> on the sidelines. So it, yeah, you use that tool, man. That's a really great tool in the
0: to whip out of the old tool shed. So here's a fun fact. I'm reading the wiki, Savage mm-hmm. Dragon Wiki, on SavageDragon.com. He did die in one fifteen in the backup, the Freak Force backup by God damn it! Yes, but here's the thing: he's a Johnny Redbeard creation. That's why. Oh. It, that's why he turns into superhero knockoffs. Perfect. Flawless. Uh. Flawless victory. <laughs> and then, perfect. yeah, then he got his head ripped off by Billy Beerman, Mighty Man, because that
2: was when that was happening.
1: Mm. Uh,
2: when it was like evil Mighty Man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that whole Freak Force back in 115 was crazy because it was all like weird versions. Yeah, like, everyone was over the hill or fat and, or crazy. Gross rapture. Yeah. I think
0: only Super Patriot was semi-sane. It was also a, a Super Patriot who had only just woken up from being on ice for a decade. So he was out of it too. Yeah, poor Manga, we barely knew you.
1: Yeah, fuck it. Should have known.
0: <laughs> he was too
1: powerful to live. Too pure for this dark timeline. That's it. Oh well, shit. Um, Craig, I we didn't get your. We got both the new guy opinions. I want to hear like your issue two feelings.
2: I enjoyed it. I think. Like I, I think I talked about it. But oh, sorry. I think I did tell you. But I, I just I liked the covenant in there. I liked, you know, seeing these new villains. I just, I liked everything about this issue. I enjoyed it. It ties in a lot of what's going on. I especially like the Covenant. I I just, I think they're a cool character, a cool bunch of villains.
1: I think we should track this too, is that if I remember legendary letter hack, Augie loved Freak Force, right? Yeah. You can see right here in the letters column, he's giving it love
2: right off the bat. I tell you, I was pretty excited to see that Mako's costume was the same as 80s because I totally forgot about that, and, and it totally, like, took me off guard. It was the same as issue 81 costume. Like Jim said, I thought that was a totally new costume in 81.
0: Yeah.
1: You know how there's, like, a Mako dart dragon character kicking around in the universe?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: When that kid grows up, he should wear that costume because that's a good look that's a good look for Mako. Yeah. So
0: I gotta say, they got to say they got a lot of letters for a series that's only one issue long. Yeah. It's uh Yeah, dude. <laughs> filled up almost four pages. No, two four, yeah, four pages of letter columns. So
2: they're getting Yeah, but you got to you got to imagine when an issue 1 came out back then. They sold like hotcakes. So I don't I can't imagine how many of issues that sold Free Force 1, you know. Oh yeah. Probably a ton. I mean, just speculators
1: get a second house, you know. Yeah, but what speculator is going to write a
2: letter? Well, I mean, people might have bought it and ended up reading. It. I'm just saying it got into a lot of hands. So, uh, got some really interesting ads in this issue.
1: Late on.
0: Well, there. This one, this first one, is clearly not an image comic. It's a heart of darkness. I have no it's idea what this is.
2: Mike Miller, I think, did it. Oh, He's it's a Mike Miller comic. Inking. He's inking this comic, and then he goes on to uh, do Red Horizon. That
0: makes sense. That explains this. Weird. And then we get an ad for The Pact, the original The Pact. Coming at you like a freight train, I guess. I don't know anything about this series. I don't know who was behind it. I don't know, like, what wasn't that Valentino? Is this a Shadowline? Oh, that makes sense. I believe the 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 one that came out in the 2000s with Invincible and Firebreather, I think was through Shadowline. So that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Shadowline before Shadowline. Yeah.
0: And then we have one that I can barely read the logo. I wanted to say Omega, but now that I look at it, it's New Men. New Men. Yeah, it's New Men. Uh, not X-Men. New Men. <laughs> I don't know Paul. Newman. I don't know anything about Paul Newman.
2: <laughs> it's an extreme. It cer- extreme prejudice. certainly
0: looks like it. Oh yeah, it's not just extreme; it's extreme prejudice. Jeez, oh, <laughs> that's kind of a bad tag. Perfect. Find out. In, find out in Extreme Prejudice. Hmm. Coming for this March from Extreme Studios, and Image. And Image. What a weird ad. <laughs> And then we got. I wonder what month it really came. Out. <laughs> we got Supreme number eleven, so Supreme's still cooking along. Which is Extreme Prejudice part four. Oh, it's oh, I see. So that must mean that New Men spun out of the storyline. Oh, ah, yeah. see, it all makes sense now when you when you when you get some of the pieces. Brian Murray and Chris Ivy. So I guess Larson uh, Liefeld isn't even working on it anymore. Supreme, he never did. He never did. It was always someone else. Oh,
2: I didn't realize it was Brian Murray. Was at least from issue one. I I think I only collected the first four issues. Of you're you're Supreme. correct. Supreme.
1: Yeah, it was not large. It was not uh, life filled.
2: Let me get this. Let me get a black and white ad for Pitt
0: issue number three. He's come to finish the jo- because he didn't have the colors done. He's yet. come yeah. to finish the job. Zoyvad. Zoy Zoe- I don't know. Zoybird.
2: I I enjoyed the Pit comics. They seemed to come out regularly when they did, because I was buying them as they came out. Mm-hmm. And Dell Killen's art is fantastic. Yeah, he's a goddamn. The guy beast. can draw. Yeah. Um, and the stories were pretty decent, from what I remember. I mean, I think the best part was it was good art, and it was coming out on a regular, and it was the same artist, and it was someone that I liked. <laughs> Primarily,
1: I hated the kid, Timmy. Yeah. Anytime there's a little lame kid running around, it kills it. It's And he was the weakest part of Pitt. Everything about Pitt was fucking awesome and brutal, except this fucking dopey looking kid.
2: Yeah. That's the only thing. Otherwise, Pitt was fucking killer. It was. Guys, I don't know. There's some artists you look at and you're like, how does he do that? That's Del Keone, man. He's. Ooh. And there's like. Yeah, yeah, and there's certain artists that, like, yeah, they all kind of look the same, and there's certain artists that just stand out. Really?
0: Because I look at Pitt and I go, oh, I've seen this before. This, this is... mm, if you had read it, if you could, like, what was killer about Del Kion Is but, dude, he could
1: do interiors, he could do. I, I, oh, I,
0: I look at it and I'm, go, I'm this even... looks like the Max, this looks like Young Blood, this looks like I, I've really? seen this oh, whole no. The only thing that you looks... just need to look the kid more. looks weird. The kid looks like a
2: anime character compared to everybody else, but I hate Timmy. Ugh. I mean, I'm not even talking about the characters. It's just Dale Keown's art is like, I don't know. Maybe you got to look at more of his stuff. Yeah, you got to look at more his of his, art his stuff because his, his art's incredible. Look at his Hulk stuff. Look well, at that's what I mean. It, it looks
0: like 90s Hulk. Hulk 90s Hulk had a lot of veins in his neck, too. Probably because it was drawn by this guy.
2: Pencils, it was. inks, Dale Keown can do anything, dude. He's fucking killer. Yeah. Look at his finished shit with colors. It's just amazing. He draws guys, He
1: draws sexy women, too.
2: <laughs> I think he's light years beyond, like, some of that extreme stuff. Oh, he
1: absolutely was, dude. Yeah, Del Keown was in a – he was in a
0: league on his own. Like, yeah, he was fucking 10 out of 10. So, it's crazy. It's 1994, Image is two years old, and Spawn already has enough clout to cross over with Batman.
2: (laughs) Well, I think McFarlane just has enough clout to get whatever. That's Yeah, that's what it is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. So, so you're talking McFarlane when he was with Marvel and an adjective less Spider-Man. McFarlane was like untouchable. Dude, I Ma- used to go. McFarlane in they the 90s. Used to put, they used to put McFarlane covers on. Uh, what was it? Marvel Con. Not Marvel Con. Presents. What's the other one? Marvel Tales. oh uh, Fanfare. No, was it was the, what were the reprint books? The Spider-Man reprint. Books? Oh, they uh, called uh, Marvel Tales. Uh, un, uh pr- yes, yes, that's what. Yes, it was. They used to put. They used to take Marvel Tales, and just put McFarlane covers on them, and I would buy every single one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and my friends would too. Wow. Gotcha. <laughs> because it would be a new piece of McFarlane art, and it would be like holy fuck. And they used to take McFarlane and just have him draw random covers. Because whatever cover he would draw, that thing would go up. He did a cover of Conan. He did a cover of Quasar. It was like Quasar wasn't selling shit. He put a McFarlane cover on Quasar, sold like hotcakes. You Weird. know, I ate that up. It is really hard
1: for people now to understand the value, though, of like the impact that an incredible image had. Because like, there was no internet. You didn't have the ability to just summon any cool image in the world to your phone. You fucking literally, if you saw a kick-ass cool image, you had to get it because that was probably the only form that you were going to have that cool image
2: in your life. And so, yeah, you couldn't just punch it up on the web and be like, "Oh, I see that now."
1: Yeah, and so, and because I'm um, the reason why I'm saying this is because a quaint story about me, like that, makes me feel old as fuck. But like, you know, I'm an artist and every artist before the internet had reference books like homemade, like you would get, get and collect reference so that if you needed to like sort of draw something, you could because the internet didn't fucking exist. And I used to read about legendary like reference collections that artists had assembled and compiled over the years of their own. So I started doing that a little bit and I'm just saying like, think how fucking funny that is. The idea of cutting images out and taping them into a book so that if you, that's fucking hilarious now. But I'm just saying like, when you say I bought every McFarlane cover, it is because that was an incredible fucking image. And how else, what were you going to just look at it once and remember it forever? No, you wanted to fucking own it.
2: Totally different. I mean, if you just Google Marvel Tales McFarlane and you just see the volume of covers and honestly, it was like with larson too i just wanted to see mcfarlane's take on as many characters as i could because i was like a full-blown mcfarlane like and you know i don't obviously i don't feel that way these days i look at it now and i'm like uh it's aged but it's still a lot of it is really cool looking but when i was like 12 13 like holy shit, i wanted to see mcfarlane draw every single thing he could yeah
1: Dude, and that's still what's funny is even in our modern era that still applies. Right now, Mike Magnola is drawing random things yeah. through the quarantine. And people are
2: losing their minds. Oh loose stones it. by Magnola.
1: Yeah. SpongeBob by Magnolia. Just shit you never thought you would see. He drew a help boy You're, you're giant watching robot.
2: people lose their minds about it.
1: Yeah, and it's because, like you said, you want to see these artists take on things. I joked that like now that Savage Dragon was in Canada that like Savage Dragon should meet Scott Pilgrim. It's not that I'm a fucking Scott Pilgrim fan like that, but I know that Eric loves Scott Pilgrim. And I would love to see Eric draw a Scott Pilgrim. Pin up, right, one shot, whatever. Just I would love to see here's Eric's a kick ass artist. He loves this comic. I would love to see him draw like fucking Scott Pilgrim and Ramona Flowers and just all that shit. Just to see his take on it. Because I'm sure he'd do a kick-ass job. But, you know, I'm just agreeing yeah. with you.
2: <laughs> no, it definitely was a different time, though. I think the internet's changed a lot, like like you said. You, now, it's like, oh, who cares? I can just punch this up and look at it when I want to look at it. McFarlane art. I can find shit that I – I can find everything over his career. Yeah, you would never buy
1: a cover just because – you would never buy a book just because of its cover.
2: And Marvel tales are like a buck a pop, and honestly, in the back issue bins, they were getting marked up because they were in so high demand, just for a cover. Sure.
1: I don't know. I yeah,
2: I don't know if you guys. I just I totally remember like that Marvel used to throw him on covers. Like I said, Quasar, <laughs> something that wouldn't sell, or Conan. Give him a McFarlane cover. Uh, everybody <laughs> would talk about it.
1: I wasn't buying Marvel comics or anything during that period, but I did in my comic buying every, I think everybody goes through it where for until you learn your lesson and you have just a bunch of books that are dog shit, but have cool covers. But like everybody goes through that phase where they're just like,
2: shit, dude, this art's
1: awesome. And then you buy it and you're like, Oh, well the interiors are horrible, but whatever.
2: (laughs) The funny thing now is I'd probably like enjoy the interiors.
1: With your with your older, be all money. the classic
2: like yeah. Right. Now I'm like, I love them. Well, I bought these. Now I can read them. Right.
1: <laughs> One last thing before we uh, ride this uh, Freak Force two into the sunset. A recurring theme that I've always found hilarious in Savage Dragon is that they, Eric sort of shits on evil twins. Yep. Yep. As a concept and a notion, and then hilarious. Like, what was it when Eric when uh, Dragon first fought Dark Dragon? The cover literally said, Evil Twins, it's come to this. Yeah. And uh, the send-off for this is hilarious. It says, next issue, a tried-and-true formula for solid entertainment. A staple of really awful television shows. You got it. Evil Twins. Comics don't get better than this. Just funny. (laughs) Just funny to me.
0: That's so good.
1: Consistently shitting on Evil Twins is funny.
0: You should you should hear him talk about Black Adam.
1: Oh no, I've never heard him talk shit about it.
0: <laughs> well, in the original old golden age Captain Marvel, Black Adam existed for one issue and got killed by Uncle Dudley. Right. And Where Uncle Dudley got to kill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And since the eighties they've been trying to build up Cap uh Black Adam as Captain Marvel's like number one like antagonist And Eric is completely unconvinced by this, going, I don't think people like these evil clone villains. (laughs) I mean, if they did, they wouldn't have killed them in one issue a hundred years ago.
1: The sad irony. Isn't
2: Black Adam getting his own movie? Indeed.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, the sad
0: irony is that fucking people love evil clones. They They, love it. They
2: fucking do. They love
0: Spider-Man, Venom. Well, that's the thing. Like, 90% of the Marvel movies are first, first- the first installment is almost always versus your evil twin yeah dude every yeah, single time every, every single one of them every single one and and sometimes like fucking, they do it twice in a row
1: yeah iron monger uh fucking venom another
0: venom in a lab like it's like it just on yeah and on, venom and on. venom had a clone and in the sequel he's gonna fight another one because they're gonna do carnage yeah. this time beautiful clones clones versus clones love it, <laughs> it it's 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 bizarre see it's symmetry they're fighting themselves don't you understand yeah it's conflict it. <laughs> it's personal conflict deep in you um so deep so metaphorical gotta beat yourself before you can save yourself yeah yeah gotta rise above your failures yeah you know. <laughs> this is what you'd be like if you were evil
1: uh-huh yep oh man imagine if i was corrupted Ima- oh, imagine
0: if i didn't have any morals i would be like this asshole <laughs>
1: Oh, Lord, dude. All right. I'm feeling pretty good. You guys feeling pretty that, that's good?
0: Why, that's why the Kerr Dark Dragon fight is actually really good, because it's actually just two evil guys, evil versions of the hero beating each other up. It's not the hero yeah. versus his clone. It's both as clones beating up on it. It is a nice twist, dude. It is a nice
1: twist on the evil twin thing. And evil wins.
0: <laughs> Whoever wins, I, I was, we lose. Am I right?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Ay, 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 la cucaracha. So, yeah, so that was uh yeah, free Force 1 and 2. I'm looking forward to reading more of these as we go on. Yeah, um, I really am too. I'm not actually sure what our next scheduled reviewing will be because I closed that Word document. So whatever <laughs> it is, we'll, uh, we'll let you know. The Savage Fincast, super pro. Oh, yes, and if you want to contact us, you can send us an email to savagefincast at gmail.com leave a message on our website, savagefincast.com, or find us on Facebook, uh, hanging out at the Eric Larson Savage Dragon Facebook fan group, uh, where we are often found, uh, as well as post, we usually post our podcast there as well. You can leave a comment on those posts.
1: We would love to hear from you, hear your thoughts on Freak Force. You know, were you there when it launched? Like, how do you feel about it? Is it a thing you've never read? You know, is it a thing that you would love to see collected? You know, just we'd love to hear from you. Any thoughts you have on this? If you could see any Savage Dragon character in street clothes, who would it be? (laughs) Just let us know. We just want to hear from you guys. (laughs) Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, Raven. Thank you. Thanks, listeners. Have a good one. Stay safe.